0: Welcome to Yo & Yo's podcast with a century of experience and perspective, we unpack the latest tax, accounting, technology, financial, and advisory topics relevant to you and your business. Listen in as we analyze challenges, explore potential opportunities, and help you find ways to thrive. This is Everyday Business with Yo & Yo.
1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Everyday Business. My name is Pete Bender, and I'm a principal with Yo & Yo, and the leader of our Wealth Management Division. Today's podcast is the second on the SECURE Act 2.0, which was signed into law back in December of 2022. Our focus today is on the provisions of the Act that directly affect 401 k plans, so it will be especially relevant to employers who sponsor these types of plans. Joining me today are two of our partners from Advantax, we have matt cash a cfp and a financial planning specialist that works with yo and yo and our clients in doing financial planning and, and wealth management strategies and second we have a special guest uh, we have kevin dement from advanced tax kevin is a retirement plan specialist with advanced tax retirement plan services he handles a lot of the administration and implementing plans and and helping our clients find the best use of their plans and the, the best strategies for their plans to help them benefit their employees and their company so welcome kevin hey good to be here pete ready to jump in here we got like you said our focus is kind of going to be on things that specifically in the act that specifically apply to 401k plans so kevin's going to cover a lot of these for us here today and I think we should start off. One of the the biggest enhancements in the in the act was regarding credits for startup 401k plans. Kevin, can you talk a little bit about uh, those provisions in the act?
2: Yes, I'd love to. First, the startup credits that they put into the Secure 2.0 Act really are an enhancement to what was done back in 2020 when Secure 1.0 went in. What they've enhanced it to do is in the prior act only 50% of the cost could be used as a tax credit. In the new rules, for companies that have less than 50 employees, so 50 employees or less, you can actually now take a tax credit up to 100% of the fees. The same rules from the prior act still apply. So it's it's still the lesser of $5,000, $250 per employee, but again, instead of being 50% of the cost, it's up to 100% of the cost. But the other neat thing that they added into this Secure Act 2.0 was a tax credit to companies for their contributions. So how that works, same way is for companies with less than 50 employees, they can get up to $1,000 per employee as a contribution credit. So Pete, how that works is... The company allocates a company contribution, and per employee at today's rate is some employee that makes less than $100,000, they're able to get up to a $1,000 tax credit, that 100% of the contribution up to $1,000 is staged down over a five-year process, just as an FY on that. Those are
1: some great points, Kevin, and, and really can help reduce the, the cost uh, for employers that want to start up a new 401k plan. Were there any other provisions in that act that affected
2: those uh, new plans? Yeah, and and I actually like what the government did with this change in in the regulation. What they're doing is for clients that add a new plan or start up a new plan after the effective data secure 2.1 was signed in, which was on December 29th, those clients now have to add an automatic enrollment provision. So people would be automatically enrolled anywhere from a 3% to a 10% rate. The other thing they need to add into that is what they call contribution escalation. So in essence, employees deferral rates would go up by 1% every year. They need to go up to 1% to a minimum of 10% or up to a maximum of 15%. You know, I like how the government's really concerned about employees. They want to make sure that they're saving enough for retirement. But within this automatic enrollment provision, if an employee is automatically enrolled and decides they didn't want that. The, there is is a provision in there that allows them to pull back or rescind their contribution within 90 days. So employees do have an out, but I think it's a great provision to help employees save for their personal retirement goals.
1: So to be clear, before plans could put this into their document, it was an option, and now it's going to be required
2: going forward. That's correct. It is required for any new plans that start after December 29th. Technically, the rule doesn't, they don't have to add it until 2025, but you would have to go back retroactively to any plans that were made effective after the act was signed.
3: Hey, Kevin, can you talk a little bit about the coverage for part-time employees in Secure 2.0? Yeah, this
2: actually has become a little bit of a confusion point. So going back to Secure Act 1.0, the rule said that any employee that worked 500 or more hours, so anything from 500 to 999 hours, in a three year consecutive time would be allowed to enter the plan for deferrals only. So in essence, the first provision comes into play for the for the year of 2024. So for 2024, anybody that worked 500 hours or more from 21, 22 and 23 will be able to get into the plan for deferrals only. Secure Act 2.0, change that to be a two year rolling period. So for, for the 2024 plan year, it, the three year rule applies, 2025 beyond the two year rule applies. So in essence, Matt, people are gonna be able to get in sooner for deferrals only, depending on how the plan eligibility is set up. They get in at 500 to 999 hours.
3: As far as the rules related to Roth, catch-up contributions. Can you talk a little bit about that? Many people are saying it's kind of a big change. Catch-up
2: contributions are always a great way for people to save for their personal retirement goals, right? And they're able to do that today on a pre-tax or Roth basis if the plan allows. The new rules have a salary piece to it. Essentially what it says is anybody that made more than 145000 in that one hundred forty-five is indexed in the prior year. Their catch-up contribution has to be wrought in the current year. The one couple things about this, though, is it is based on FICA wages. So where I can see a little bit of confusion for a plan sponsor is if you have an employee that worked at one company during the prior year and came to work for you, it's both of their compensations added together. So the 145000 is on an individual level, not a company level. So it is one thing that that I think would is going to cause a little bit of confusion for plan sponsors. But essentially, you made more than 145000 in the prior year. Your current year contribution has to be Roth for catch-up.
3: And as it's written now, if the plan doesn't allow for Roth catch-ups, is there something related to no one being able to contribute? Yeah, that's
2: a good question. So you're right, Matt. If the plan document does not allow for a Roth deferral, then the plan will not be able to allow catch up so that people can still defer up to the catch up limit, but they won't be able to actually make catch up contributions. So it's really our recommendation. Every plan should allow Roth so you don't run into this. In fact, that's how we design our plans. Every plan has Roth so they won't be impacted.
1: Kevin, I know a lot of our clients are growing and they you know, had simple IRA plans maybe set up initially when they were a smaller plan and, and the 401k didn't make sense. And there's some specific rules if, if a company wants to transition their plan from a simple to a 401k. I believe there are some changes in the act regarding that
2: as well. Can you touch on those for a bit? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. So this is a change. This change for the simple IRAs actually starts in 2024. In today's rule for simple IRAs, you're not able to terminate the simple IRA and convert to a 401k plan until the first day of each calendar year. What will happen in 2024 is you're able to terminate the simple IRA and move to a safe harbor 401k anytime throughout the year. So this could really open the door for for companies that want to allow their employees to defer more or their owners to defer more you know, maybe maximize contributions and tax deductions more. So starting in 2024, they can convert to that safe harbor plan anytime throughout the year. A couple of things on that I'll talk about in a moment. But the other benefit this does in 2024 is it for moving to a 401k plan is that he removes the two-year wait. Normally in a simple IRA, you're not able to take your money out until the money's been in the simple IRA for two years from your initial contribution. But starting again in 2024, if they terminate the simple IRA and move to a safe harbor 401k, you will be able to roll your money over prior to the two year requirements. So essentially as soon as, as soon as they would like. As I mentioned, it has to be into a safe harbor plan. So the rules state anytime throughout the year, but I would like to point out, in order to be a safe harbor plan, the plan does have to be established by October 1st, for example, if you're a January 1st plan year. So even though the rule says anytime throughout the year, because it's a safe harbor plan requirement, the plan would have to be established and set up by, for example, 10-1 of that year. So that does kind of reduce some of the flexibility, but still allows for an easier transition in some cases, so. Exactly, and Pete, that's where like the folks at Yo & Yo, the CPAs are so important is strategizing to find ways to help their clients grow their, their tax deductions, this could be a great opportunity for them.
1: Yep. And again, a, a great way to you know enhance your retirement plan if you're a, a business owner. Um, everybody struggles with getting employees nowadays and attracting employees. And the the better the benefits you can have, whether it's insurances or retirement plans, uh, the better off you'll be able to attract better employers. So
3: this, this is something to think about, certainly. Kevin, can you talk a little bit about the enhanced catch-up contributions for those who are in their 60s?
2: Yeah, this is a the rule for this catch-up. Again, I, I like how the government's actually trying to allow people to put more away for retirement. I think that's, that's a great opportunity. And with this one, starting in 2025, people that are 60, 61, 62, or 63 are going to be able to actually make a catch up contribution of 150% of whatever the the catch up amount is. So for example, let's say we're doing it today. You know, the the catch up limit is 7500. If the rule applied today, folks between 60 to 63 could actually make a catch up contribution of $11,250. So it is helping people save more for retirement. Now, I would mention to remind sponsors is Again, it's for that small window of time, 60 to 63. So the, the companies will have to ensure that they have a process to go back to the normal catch-up
3: limit when somebody hits age 64. Any idea on the reasoning for those particular ages? What, what I feel
2: they're doing, in, in again, we didn't get any governmental impressions of why they did this, but what I feel they're trying to do is they're trying to figure out when are people, you know, at the the prime income of their life, right? And they have found that as people get closer to retirement, right, they have more disposable income. And they want to allow people to put away more, right? They want to allow them to maximize. I agree with you. I think I wish the rule would have been written, you know, from 50 to 59, you do the normal, 60 and beyond, you do the increase. But again, I don't work for the government, I can't quite explain why they they chose just from 60 to 63.
3: Right, now there is a little bit of ambiguity in some of these uh, new new laws. Is there gonna be an update on some of the things that need clarification?
2: Yeah, throughout a number of the regulations, there are stuff that will need to have some IRS tax corrections. Not to go into too much detail, but let me give you an example of one. In the way that they've changed the rules for a Roth catch-up, in 2024, the way the current Secure Act 2.0 regulations read, plans will not be able to actually do a catch-up contribution in 2024. All the ERISA attorneys that have provided feedback on there feel that that was just a technical glitch in the regulation. And there is speculation that the IRS will come out with a technical correction prior to the end of the year so that people are able to make catch-up contributions in 2024. By all means, there are sections of the rules that do need clarification. And that's the way it always is, right? I need to to remember, Congress creates the rules. The IRS interprets the rules. So we always are waiting for more follow-up from the IRS to say, here's how the things have to happen.
1: I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that coming. And if we're trying to find logic into some of these rules, uh, we might be here all day on this podcast trying to (laughs) figure that out. So, one last thing: I know there were some changes in the force out rules, Kevin. When you could uh, for for terminated participants, can you touch on that for a bit?
2: Yeah. So the current rules: the way plans can be written, they don't have to be written, is that when somebody terminates with a balance less than one thousand dollars, you give them a you give them all the notices that they need, and if they don't make a decision on that notice. You could force their distribution out in cash. The way the current law reads is anybody from 1,000 to 5,000 that terminates with a balance, again, you give them the notice. And if they don't make a decision, that balance could be rolled over to an IRA. What the Secure Act 2.0 did, effective for, for plan years or distributions after 1231, 2023, you can now force participants to an IRA that have between one thousand to seven thousand so what it's done is it really helped clients help clean up their plans right because when employees terminate and leave many times the sponsor isn't kept aware of where they live so it does put an added burden on the sponsor because when people are terminated with a balance the sponsor is still required to provide them annual notices give them statements you know provide them the fee disclosure rules there's a number of things that have to happen if you're trying to keep track of terminated people, that could become an administrative burden. So by raising the rate to 7,000, I do feel that's a good thing to help keep plans more clean and take responsibility and risk off of your plan sponsors.
3: Kevin, would you say that this new legislation just makes it attractive for startup plans to be enacted? You, You know, I definitely do. As I mentioned in the very beginning,
2: the ability for the tax credits really helps a sponsor provide you know realize they can afford to provide a retirement plan you know it's it's not uncommon for small businesses to say I just can't afford it but by them giving a tax credit on the fees and that you know up to a thousand dollar contribution tax credit which again lasts for five years and is is phased down a little bit over five years, that could just really open the door for companies to realize they could retire you know provide a retirement plan, and it help their employees save for their personal retirement goals.
3: Right. Cuz a common hurdle you see now is like you said it's too expensive, but this this sort of reduces that administrative burden.
2: It really helps them manage the cost to for the administration and the investment management of the plan. Yeah, absolutely. Between the the
1: tax deductions that they're able to get and and the write-offs and the credits it sometimes is almost a, a wash. So something uh, everyone needs to look into. So I think we're about out of time for today. Kevin provided a lot of great information on these changes in the law that 401 k plan sponsors are going to have to deal with in the very near future. So if you have any questions on any of this, please reach out to your CPA at Yo and Yo or myself or Matt or Kevin, and we'd be happy to talk about those for you. You can also go to our website at yoandyo.com and look for information there. Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us today. Everyone have a great day.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Yo & Yo's Everyday Business Podcast. Yo & Yo's podcast can be listened to on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and of course, our website. Please subscribe, rate, and review. For more business insights, visit our resource center at yoandyo.com and be sure to subscribe to our newsletters. We'll talk to you next time on Yo & Yo's Everyday Business Podcast. The information provided in this podcast is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the podcast reflect the views of the speakers. This podcast does not constitute tax, accounting, legal, or other business advice or an advisor-client relationship. Before making any decision or taking action, you should consult with a professional regarding your specific circumstances. Investment advisory services are offered through Advantax Planning Partners. Commission-based securities products are offered through Advantax Investment Services, member FINRA, SPIC. Insurance services offered through licensed agents of Advantax Planning Partners, 3200 Olympus Road, Suite 100, Dallas, Texas, 75019. The Avantex entities are independent of and unrelated to Yo & Yo Wealth Management. Peter Bender is an Advantax registered representative. Not all financial professionals are licensed to offer all products or services. Financial planning and investment advisory services require separate licenses. Avantex affiliated advisors may only conduct business with residents of states for which they are properly registered. Please note that not all of the investments and services mentioned are available in every state. This material is for informational purposes only. It is not intended as investment, tax, or other advice or an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any financial instrument. Indices are unmanaged, represent past performance, do not incur fees or expenses, and cannot be invested into directly. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Consult with your financial, tax, or other appropriate advisors on all matters pertaining to financial accounting or tax obligations and requirements.